Hi and welcome to this week's Memcast. Today we've got Dr Tom Moore with us, a registrar working in oncology in the East Midlands. We're going to be talking about the four commonest cancers worldwide and a little bit about their epidemiology, their diagnosis and treatments. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Can you start by telling us a little bit about the most common cancers? What are they? What sort of risk factors are we looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So in the IMT curriculum, it talks about a topic called common cancers. The commonest cancers are breast, prostate, lung and colorectal cancer. So we'll focus on those four. Which would you like to talk about first? So why don't we start with breast cancer? I believe it's the most common cancer. Yeah, exactly. So, so breast cancer is largely in women. It does happen in men, but it's very rare. And around one in eight women in their lifetime will have a diagnosis of breast cancer. Whilst it can occur at any adult age, it is more common as you get older and is usually detected with the patient finding a lump. In the UK, a national screening programme has been introduced to help detect breast cancers and runs from the ages of 50 to 70, with women getting mammograms every three years during this period. And that has greatly increased the detection rate of early breast cancers. And when breast cancer is localised to the breast or lymph tissues, we are able to offer curative treatments. If somebody finds a lump, they present to their GP and they get sent to a triple assessment centre where they have an assessment with a clinical examination, a mammogram and a biopsy. Mm -hmm. I suppose another thing to mention with breast cancer in particular would be the kind of genetic component and the BRCA gene. Mm, Absolutely. There are certain syndromes that exist which can predispose you to getting breast cancers. Certainly one of the parts of that assessment as well as the clinical examination is the history. The BRCA gene in particular is a rare genetic change which is all about an altered pathway in how your DNA repairs itself when it's damaged. There are two BRCA mutations, BRCA1 and 2, which are recognised which predispose people to getting in particular breast and ovarian cancers. Part of an assessment for anybody with breast cancer is understanding their family history You'd be particularly concerned if somebody had a breast cancer at a younger age. Those people with a strong family history often get sent for genetic testing to try and assess the risk for their family members as well as them. So in this one-stop clinic that you mentioned getting biopsies done as well, then you can split it into different types of breast cancer? Yes. Breast cancer is staged using the TNM system, as all cancers are. When the cells are analysed, you look for particular how aggressive or well differentiated the cancer is so you can have low or higher grades of breast cancer. There are also particular markers on the cells which can help predict how the cancer cells act. There are oestrogen receptors, you can say something is ER positive or ER negative, progesterone receptors similarly and HER2 receptors and all those receptors tell us how aggressive the cancer can behave and also what treatments they'll respond to. Sometimes people, rather than having a true cancer, can have an early precancerous change called ductal carcinoma in situ, which is often managed in a similar way. That's usually with surgery in early stages of breast cancer. People with breast cancers are offered surgery, hormone therapy, if they have positive oestrogen receptors. If there are particularly higher grade features, they may have chemotherapy around the time of those treatments. And then everybody is also offered radiotherapy after their surgery. 
if at the time of diagnosis the cancer has already spread and you'd get concerned for that and start to think about doing more investigations if patients have particular symptoms then you'd look to do sort of more detailed staging scans of the whole body and your treatments then would be based around their hormone status whether or not they had expressed the HER2 receptor and whether or not they could have something like Herceptin. In terms of how breast cancer behaves, particularly when it does spread, the most common sites breast cancers go to are the bones, the lung, the brain and the liver. Those are the kind of things you should think about in anybody you're concerned has a breast cancer. Thank you. So moving on to the second most common cancer in worldwide is prostate cancer. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, so prostate cancer is uh, exclusively in men because men have prostates. Easy. Prostate cancer is, again, something that increases with age and it's particularly common in elderly gentlemen above the ages of 70 or 80. The way that we assess for prostate cancer or we pick up prostate cancers is either if somebody has symptoms with change in uh, urinary habits sometimes blood in the urine. Quite often it's picked up incidentally with very sensitive blood tests called the PSA tumour marker which has revolutionised how we pick up prostate cancers and catch them early and so part of a prostate cancer assessment is based on their PSA blood test, an MRI scan of the prostate. If you suspect metastatic disease you can do full body scans. Often a bone scan is done because we know that prostate cancers go to the bone more than any other site. And then they have a biopsy in anything that looks abnormal in the prostate. Prostate cancers, again, staged with TNM staging. Their histology is graded using something called the Gleason score. And this gives you a score between six and 10, with six being least aggressive and 10 being most aggressive. That tells you how well or poorly differentiated the cells are compared to normal prostate tissue. Brilliant. So what options are available for treatment in patients with prostate cancer? So like all cancer treatments, it's surgery, radiotherapy, hormones and other systemic treatments. So if the cancer is localised, you can chop it out with surgery. There's increasing evidence that radiotherapy is equivalent in terms of success rates to lots of different surgical treatments but comes with its own host of side effects so radiotherapy in some slightly higher risk prostate cancers tends to be preferred particularly if lymph nodes are involved as well alongside your main radical treatment the surgery or radiotherapy hormones are used adjuvantly Prostate cancers are almost invariably very susceptible to suppression of a patient's natural androgens or testosterone. So they're given an LHRH analogue for somewhere between six months and three years around the time of their main treatment. If at the time of their diagnosis the patient is found to have metastatic disease and it spread, then you, rather than giving these radical treatments, you're able to give palliative treatments the first thing we use is still that hormone treatment because it's very successful and people can have responses to that hormone treatment for years because we know that prostate cancers tend to grow slowly. It's not a particularly aggressive cancer in most cases. This is, of course, referring to prostate adenocarcinoma, which is by far the most common type. Like with all cancers, there are aggressive variants and things can change. 
other things that we can offer palliatively include different forms of chemotherapy. Prostate cancers invariably spread to the bone and cause bony type pains. They also spread to the abdominal lymph nodes. They can go to the liver or the lung even, or to any site like any cancer, but mostly you think about bone. Okay, so we've talked about breast cancer and prostate cancer. I think the third most common cancer we've got worldwide is lung cancer. So lung cancer is really important because it kills the most people. It's the most common cause of cancer death. And that's because it's really difficult to treat. It's often diagnosed in people who smoke cigarettes and have done so for a long time and so often have multiple comorbidities, whether that's COPD, other heart problems, anything else. They tend to be a less well population. Again, it's more likely with age. Often diagnosed with people who have a persistent cough, but anybody who has worrying sort of red flag symptoms gets diagnosed usually initially with a chest x-ray or if you have a particularly high index of concern they may go on to have a, a CT. We talk about bronchogenic carcinomas, things like mesothelioma is almost a different entity in how it is managed and is almost exclusively associated with asbestos exposure. Lung cancers we think of as bronchogenic carcinomas once a cancer has been diagnosed, it's staged using the TNM system. Lung cancers are split classically into two different subtypes of small cell lung cancer and non-small cell lung cancer. That's because small cell lung cancer, whilst being relatively less common, it's about 20% of all lung cancers, it's really aggressive and it's really serious. It's a neuroendocrine tumour, a small cell lung cancer. They're very poorly differentiated and they're highly aggressive and they kill people very rapidly. It's one of the few cancers that is treated very aggressively and sort of thought of as an emergency in terms of oncology to try and get your treatment in as quickly as possible. Fortunately, small cell lung cancer can initially respond very well to chemotherapy. And so chemotherapy is often given, even in people who are quite unwell, to see if they will get a response to it. Whilst the staging of small cell lung cancer is still done with the TNM staging, there is another form of staging called limited stage or extensive stage of small cell lung cancer. All that staging does is divide the cancer into whether or not you think everything is localised to one half of the thorax or lung that you're able to try and treat radically and so stand a chance of curing. If it's extensive stage, it's already outside of the volume you think you can realistically treat with radiotherapy and it's not going to be curable. Any small cell lung cancer is very difficult to cure definitively. The mainstay of treatment is with chemotherapy given urgently and then if it's localised you can give radiotherapy. Because small cell lung cancers behave so rapidly and aggressively, often people present as inpatients really unwell. They get associated cancer syndromes, the commonest of which is something like SIADH and somebody presents with a low sodium. Other cancer syndromes associated with small cell are lambert myasthenic syndrome, and all of these are things that you need to be aware about for the MRCP exam. Other lung cancers include non-small cell lung cancers, squamous and adenocarcinomas. Here the TNM staging applies. Associated syndromes with squamous cell lung cancers tend to be hypercalcemia. 
you can still get SIADH and you can get other syndromes. Likewise with adenocarcinoma, you can again um, get associated cancer syndromes. You treat these either with surgery, particularly if the disease is localised to one area of the lung. Radiotherapy, external beam radiotherapy, can be curative, sometimes used with chemotherapy as well, adjuvantly or concurrently. If the cancer is metastatic, you can give systemic therapies. Now, this can be targeted therapy, looking at particular receptors on the cancer, chemotherapy or immunotherapy with varying responses and some immunotherapy responses have been very impressive in lung cancers to the point where previously incurable disease seems to have gone away and not come back and these responses are still being understood and they're quite exciting. In general lung cancers tend to spread to the liver, the bones, the adrenal glands and the brain. Thank you and then last but not least we're going to talk a bit about colorectal cancer. Yeah so Colorectal cancer, fourth most common, affecting the large bowel and the rectum. Um, it's the second most common cause of cancer deaths behind lung cancer, and so is important. Happens in people who smoke, people who are obese, high alcohol intake, increasing age, and then you also think about patients with either an inflammatory bowel or chronic inflammatory condition or people with genetic predispositions to getting colorectal cancers. Again, there's a national screening program for colorectal cancer with a faecal occult blood test, which is done in people sort of 60 to 75 years old. They get sent a little test kit in the post and if their poo sample is positive, has trace of blood in it, then they go on to have a colonoscopy. And this national screening program, again, helps detect these cancers early when they're treatable and curable. Different cancer syndromes associated with colorectal cancer I won't go into detail with, but things like Lynch syndrome, familial adenomatous polyposis, and Gardner syndrome are all relevant cancer syndromes related to colorectal cancer that are worth looking up for the MRCP. Staging a colorectal cancer is done with combination of their endoscopy, CT scan, PET scan and biopsy. Is there anywhere in particular in the colon that's more commonly affected? The rectum is the most common site of colorectal cancers, but anywhere from the sigmoids to the ascending colon, cancers can develop. The site of them depends on their management. In general, for colorectal cancers, the mainstay of treatment is surgery. Chopping it out is the best way to manage them. For some rectal cancers, giving radiotherapy before their main operation helps downstage the cancer and makes the operation easier and it can also reduce the risk of the cancer coming back to that area. And so radiotherapy is sometimes given before their main operation. If at the time of the operation, when the cancer is removed, they find some lymph nodes around, which they're able to take out, then people are offered some chemotherapy adjuvantly afterwards. Sometimes people have palliative surgery if they have a tumour that looks like it's going to obstruct. Even if they have metastatic disease, that can happen. Once they've had their primary taken out, if they have metastatic disease, they can have chemotherapy to try and help downstage things and make things smaller. Sometimes people have neoadjuvant chemotherapy before having surgical resections in certain specialist cases. Colorectal cancers tend to spread to the liver following the blood supply of the colon. They also spread to the lungs and to the veins.
Okay, thank you. And then just before we finish, do you have any other kind of top tips for the IMTs and junior doctors sitting there with their MRCP? Um, yeah, there are certain cancers you can cure with chemotherapy alone. Germ cell tumours, lymphomas and leukemias particularly. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening. <laughs>